Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome home to your Boo Crew. All month long, we are calling you trick-or-treating with the Boo Crew, stuffing your Boo Bucket with new episodes in addition to a regular Tuesday release. Lots of spooky fun on the way leading up to Halloween, for example. On episode 357, returning guest and friend of the show, the wonderfully charismatic, multi-hyphenate pop culture icon, Kesha. We talk all about her fantastic new hit Discovery Plus Paranormal Show, Conjuring Kesha, now available on Travel Channel. Hear about the things that make this journey into the supernatural unique, fun, and absolutely terrifying as she investigates some of the most haunted locations in America. Find out if songs can be haunted, a look at some of Kesha's personal fave horror films, and so much more. Episode 357 with Kesha is now slaying. Kesha here. When I'm not on stage, I'm exploring my connection to the supernatural. Anybody that knows me knows I love staying in a super haunted house. It's kind of my thing. And I'm bringing along my friends for the whole terrifying trip. It's time to go get scary. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a returning guest to the show. Through her ever-evolving journey as an artist, she has selflessly brought us along with her on an adventure of our own self-discovery. Her career, a tribute to the power of imagination, elevating us with the soundtrack of our lives, weaving together the epic anthems that are eternally part of the human experience to celebrate our brightest days, to navigate the darkness, and to be our friend when it feels like there's no one there to listen. Since her unbelievable voice, this searing, cathartic siren that cuts through like a hot butter knife was first shared with the world back in 2009, guesting on a number one single, she brought forth a sea change in music, and things were never the same again. She invoked an experimental edge and danger to pop that instantly pushed it light years into the future. A beautiful alchemic reaction of punk and glam marred by the soaring romantic melodies wrapped in the DNA of country music and electro clash. It was genius and the world felt it. It's why her debut song, TikTok, became the top selling digital single ever and one of the Billboard's top songs of all time. She has since earned several number one albums, almost a dozen top ten singles, and is a master songwriter, not only on her own tracks, but building unforgettable hooks for Britney Spears to Alice Cooper, Miranda Cosgrove to Ariana Grande. She's been honored with countless awards, including Billboard's Women in Music Trailblazer, ASCAP, seven BMI awards, multiple Grammy nominations, and is recognized for giving a platform to causes and associations, including the Human Rights Campaign and the Humane Society, even being named their first ever international ambassador. She has also been singled out as one of the most influential people in the world. When we last had her on this very show to talk about her latest album, High Road, and her Kesha and the Creepies podcast, she opened up about her interest in the paranormal, her penchant for staying at haunted hotels on tour, and a pursuit of the unexplained. 
Her newest project is a deep dive into that spiritual world. Conjuring Kesha, available now on Discovery Plus and brand new on Travel Channel. And it brings you along with her and some incredibly fun friends to explore the most supernaturally active places on the planet. We are honored to welcome back the absolutely enlightening pop culture atom bomb, Kesha. Can you literally just introduce me before I walk in every room I ever go into? It would be an honor, Kesha. It would be an honor. Yeah, the best intro I've ever had, hands down. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to haunt our little crypt here. And uh, congrats on this amazing show once again. We've watched every episode countless times. We're so excited that everybody else gets to see it on Travel Channel too. And first of all, I mean, I've talked about this before with you, but it is such a unique element to this show that I really want podcast listeners to hear this too. The first thing anybody will notice when watching this show is how different this looks from any other show that has ever done investigations before. That poetry of the presentation, the spell that you cast on us as an audience through your voiceover and the artful vignettes that are interspliced within your journey reaches through the TV and it brings us into your world and in a place that really aligns with you as an artist. What is the thought process behind the look and feel that you wanted this show to have? Oh my God. Well, I love the question because there was a lot of time and energy and thought and heart put behind making the show because I love the creepy things. I love the supernatural. I love the paranormal, but I also, my brain works differently than I think maybe some other people's do. And I really wanted to show that in 3d, which is sometimes hard to describe or hard to kind of connect how it is in my brain to the outside world and the show I'm so proud of because I think we really did a good job of going through these paranormal investigations, which has been done before, but taking these breaks to kind of reflect and taking a surreal look at what we just experienced and what happened in each place. So I remember specifically in Trans-Allegheny, wanting to like have a lobotomy because absolutely at the time that they were giving lobotomies, I probably would have had like 47 lobotomies. So (laughs) I really wanted to take the time and like strap me in the chair and give me a faux lobotomy and have the viewer go with me on this really trippy ride of exploring this place and it's trippy because there's a lot of paranormal activity and there's voices and there was you know somebody scratched my cameraman and there was the baby powder incident there's all these wildly unexplainable events that happen and then also the reality of the situation is there were people doing like unspeakable things to other people, which has turned out to be something I walked away from the series really looking at is, wow, what humans do to other humans is maybe way scarier than any of the supernatural and paranormal stuff I experienced. I'm like very influenced by David Lynch and um, Stanley Kubrick. And I wanted I really wanted to have an element of that surreal imagery because I haven't really seen that before in this type of show. It may exist, but I haven't seen it before. So I wanted to take people in and out of reality 
because the reality is totally fucked. But then the um, surrealism can get also really fucked with just the imagery. And I wanted people to really kind of invite them into my brain. So it was really important for us to weave in and out of the surreal vignettes. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, wondering ever, ever since watching the first episode with Whitney Cummings, I've been curious about the camera you carry with you on these haunted outings. Have you captured anything on your personal camera that wasn't captured by your cameraman? You know what? I, that's a really good question. When we edited it down, it was kind of all a mashup of, I think there were four to six when you count the, the cameras we just set up and would kind of like leave and then come back to you. So I'm not totally sure. That's a really good question. I should ask my editing team because I know there were certain things that were caught on Polaroid that were not caught on film, which is really interesting. And I also think it's interesting to film on a couple different eras of technology because I'm curious which the spirits kind of gravitated or showed more. And the wildest part is we caught so much stuff on Polaroid that we didn't see with the naked eye. But then there's one shot that with Whitney, we were upstairs and one of the red cameras caught something that my camera didn't. So it's, I like loved having multiple decades of film equipment and from the super, super new stuff to, I think my camera is from 91, I believe. Like it was part of production, so I'd have to double check that. But weirdly, I highly suggest people getting a Polaroid for ghost hunting because that was wild. And also voice recording on the phone would sometimes catch voices that you can't really hear with your ear. So we would listen back and hear something on the voice recorder on my phone. Now, we know that the unexplained and the supernatural has been a topic that you've been passionate about for a very long time. You got to really lean into it more publicly through Kesh and the Creepies. How did that experience and and all the people you got to talk to during that run of that show help prepare you for this journey you started embarking on in uh, IRL, so to speak, uh, on site with Conjuring Kesha? Yeah. So the podcast, it actually, Kesha and the Creepies is the name of my punk band that I put out. I think it was like 2013, 2014. And then it kind of morphed during COVID. So I think we talked about this last time we talked, but I had a really spiritual, psychedelic, like, I would call it an ego death or a spiritual awakening. I'm not really sure, but it was very supernatural feeling. It was very psychedelic. And I'm just going to add, I was very sober at the time. But I've been reading a lot about Buddhism and how sometimes pain can lead to enlightenment. So I was just in a lot of emotional pain. I was worried about the state of the world. I was worried about, you know, a lot. I mean, it's COVID. There's a lot of anxiety happening just about what the fuck was going on. So this anxiety and this pain led to this night where I felt like I was contacted by something otherworldly. Some people call it God. Some people call it the universe. Might be a spirit guide. I'm not totally sure what they were, but I had an interaction with something that was definitely outside of myself. And that's what led me to resurrect the name Kesha and the Creepies and start this podcast because I really wanted to 
talk to other people about their experiences and kind of make it less taboo to have unexplainable things happen. And it turns out so many people have something unexplainable and a lot of us are scared to talk about it in fear of sounding crazy. But I talked to a parapsychologist who really like studies this and she's a scientist and I don't want to get this statistic wrong, but I believe it's half of people on the planet participate in some sort of spiritual or paranormal ritual, which would include praying or you know, doing what I do where you go and like look for ghosts. But I just kind of wanted to open up the conversation because I felt so alone in this spiritual kind of crazy night I had. I felt super alone. And then I wanted to make Cash in the Creepies a podcast to talk to other people because I think that in making music and in most things we do in life, it's a lot about connection. Like we don't want to feel alone. So I wanted to see if I was alone in having these wild experiences in my life. And turns out a lot of other artists, a lot of people I know have had these unexplainable, supernatural, paranormal experiences. And it's not that taboo and it's not that crazy. So that's what really like, that was my foot in the door with the paranormal. And then from there, I feel like that was doing the groundwork. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to like go three-dimensional. Let's go like full, throw me in to the haunted locations, throw me at Mount Shasta, like just throw me, throw me all the places. Cause I felt like I did, I did like the groundwork to like, see, okay, am I insane? Am I totally insane? And what I gathered is like, maybe, but if I'm insane, so are a lot of other people because a lot of people have had unexplainable shit happen. It's validated by a lot of the experts in the field that are on your side for this on this journey. One of them is Michael Salerno, who's a Catholic demonologist trained by Lorraine Warren herself and Tony Spira. And what is the opportunity like, I guess, as an, as an enthusiast and an explorer and someone who's really interested in this to have resources like him or like uh, Cindy Kaza, the medium, at your behest and, and along with you on this ride? Oh, it's so helpful because, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I never walked into the show saying like, I'm an expert. I'm definitely not an expert. I'm an expert at writing pop songs and parallel parking but like i am not i'm like just not an expert in this field i am interested i've had experiences i have a calling but i'm not an expert so to have someone who's done this before who's seen a lot of shit before kind of validate it again makes me feel less crazy because there's so many instances where you say oh i feel something other people can't feel what you're feeling so then you start to have self-doubt and question, well, am I crazy? That was something that went through my mind so many times when I had unexplainable things happen to me, or I saw stuff in the sky, or I saw a shadow figure. I would just explain it away, which I think is maybe human nature, but to have these experts kind of talk you and walk you through it, it felt really validating. The Boo Crew will be right 
The summer guests have left the isolated Overlook Hotel, and now all 200 rooms stand empty. Only Danny Torrance and his parents remain, snowbound, 40 miles from the nearest town. But are they really alone? Danny knows something indescribably evil is there with them, waiting. Danny? Danny, come here. You've done something wrong, and I want you to take your medicine like a man. Danny? Danny? No, no, leave me alone, leave me alone. Danny, come here. Come here and take it like a man. Your mommy and daddy can't help you now. The Shining by Stephen King. The terrifying tale of Danny's struggle to save himself and his parents from unspeakable horror. The new signet paperback bestseller by the author of Carrie and Salem's Lot. The Shining. your friends that came on these excursions who was the hardest to convince to join hmm i think big frida was like not into it because she's very spiritual and she lives in new orleans and has grown up kind of like surrounded by voodoo and her own spirituality so she was scared about it because i think she didn't want to poke the bear but at the same time, she kept kind of coming back to me and be like, okay, but what's it about? Like, I could tell she was really interested, but in a nervous way. And I was like, just come with me. I have no idea what I'm doing, but it'll be fun. And then she, like, she was so amazing with the spirits. I feel like she had a really special experience. And like, she's just ride or die. She's a bad bitch. Like she can take on anything. <laughs> she's amazing. Work. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go back by just in you saying, uh, and this is more of a comment than a question, that you felt like, you know, you're not an expert in this. But I would argue that just being a songwriter in the type of journey that you take people through every day, you're, you are an expert in empathy and opening yourself up to experiences and channeling them. So to me, you're the perfect vessel for, for, for an exploration like this and a deep dive into this because of that reason. You're not only completely open and in tune to the experiences and emotions all surrounding you, but the perfect vessel to communicate that to the viewer and to us in incredible ways that are also inspiring at the same time. Thank you. Well, I definitely think writing a song is so interesting because you're creating something that didn't exist. So I think about this a lot. Like you sit there and you just let things come to you from God knows where or God knows who and God knows what, but there was nothing there. And then you sit there with a some sort of recording device and all of a sudden you have this three minute long thing that came from the ether and now has the potential to connect you with people and people with each other and people with fun experiences or, you know, so whatever experience they have with the song and create memories. And it's all basically, like you said, it is kind of like channeling. Yeah. It's like a seance. Every time you sit to write a song, it is like a seance, right? You're, you're building ghosts. <laughs> I mean, I am. I sit before I write a song. A lot of times I'll talk to the universe and just say, 
tell me what, like, tell me what is in the zeitgeist. Tell me what I need to be a vessel for because it doesn't come from me. I wish I could take that credit. Do you think it's possible for songs to be haunted? You know what? I actually think there's a possibility for songs because what does haunted mean, right? So there's a possibility for a song to be so connected with an experience or a feeling that it's undeniable when you put on a certain song that it conjures an emotion. So I don't know if it's technically haunted, but it's very powerful. A thousand percent agree. Yeah, from from spending time at these haunted locations, did you suffer the hitchhiker effect? Have you noticed anything strange after, or did anything attach to you and follow you home? I'd like to think no. <laughs> Nothing attached to me. I would really like to think that, but I, I did have like sleep paralysis in San Francisco. I had really crazy sleep paralysis, and then I took the Epsom salt bath and talk to who was it? I talked to somebody called somebody on the phone. I was like, how do I clear? And so they over the phone cleared my energy. But I also heard this interesting thing that when you're a singer, cause you're on stage, right? And you're looking out to like, however many, I just played the forum. That's when I fucked my voice up. So that's why I'm talking very soft. So there's 20,000 people you're projecting to the last row in the forum. So it only makes sense that if your energetic field is that opened up and trying to reach so far, that things would get caught in there. And then when you bring it back down and ground, that it would be in your field. So I definitely have felt like I have things attached to me and I take, I take on people's emotions easily. And so I really have to work to try to figure out what's mine and detach from what is not mine. So I don't know if I have anything, hopefully, in my house currently, but I will say... Okay, so I found out my house used to be a hospice. So every time I come to my house, I'm like, oh, I'm so cozy. And I just, it's like so cozy, you could die. We should investigate my house. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, there's Whoa. a fascinating story there. Well, and then yeah. you mentioned, so you mentioned that San Francisco, and I wanted to just talk about that episode really quick. It's one of our favorite episodes because it is so insane and it culminates in one of the most amazing and shocking. Uh, displays of evidence of the paranormal that we've ever seen. So what can you tell us just a little bit about the history of that place? Well, first of all, to, I, is it really one of the most shocking? Oh yeah. Yeah. evidence. Definitely. That's what I find. Yeah. I mean the, the Ouija board scene with Gata uh, blew blew our minds. (laughs) That's so nice to hear because I think going into this being like, I sing and write pop songs. So I don't really, again, totally know what I'm doing. So the producer of the show has been doing this for 14 years. One of the producers, and there were multiple times where she had to step out of the room and cry because she was like, I usually am not scared of any of this. I'm not even sure if I believe in any of it, but this is so, this is such strong evidence that she had to like take a moment, which apparently is not common. And my experience was not so much dark as it was very like a naughty that like that was my experience in that place is mm. it made you want to like run around naked drinking wine and like just being a little bit wicked but it wasn't so much evil to me it felt more like naughty 
and unbridled energy. So mischievous, (laughs) mischievous, totally and youthful and just wild style. But I actually loved that episode too, because Ada came in totally skeptical, like hundred percent was like, Oh, this is going to be all fake. This is just like a fun thing. I'm just doing it for my girl. Like he's a good friend, but was not convinced at all. And so he had to end, run out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and like through the series yeah. of filming it, he got so freaked out. And he said, I think it stayed in the cut where he came in like a lion and left like a lamb because he came mm-hmm. in just like, you know, big dick energy. Let's go. This is all fake. And then at the end of the episode, if you watched the the episode with Gaeta in San Francisco, the last scene is so amazing because something that happened is the spirit board jumps, which was extremely shocking. And I scream, but then I was like, okay, well now what do we do? <laughs> like after it happens, you're like, uh, okay. So cut to later on, he realizes that it landed on a capital T, which for him really means something to me. It meant, nothing like i just was like oh it's crazy the spirit board jumped but to him that capital t really means something in his life like it re- there's a lot of thought and meaning behind that so for him to have had pretty much a personal message from beyond that meant so much to him to bring him to tears like i do not think he was expecting that kind of experience mm, that's going to change so, his life well, that's what he said. He said he really thought it made him think about everything differently and feels like he's on the right path. Like this was a really impactful moment for Gata. And I am so happy to be able to just be part of what brought that whole experience together. So I just feel very called in this world. Like again, not totally sure what I'm doing, but I feel very at home and called to this whole space. I feel like it's my next, it's the next frontier. As we wrap up here, I wanted to talk about just, just a little bit more of what we've just talked about now is that the things that you're going to see throughout this series will definitely change your mind and impact your thoughts on the reality behind paranormal and supernatural experiences. And I wanted to ask you about the importance to you that none of what you capture is staged or is a performance in any way. Yeah, that's actually was my number one thing. Pitching the show from the very creation of it is I find this, I know for some people it's like silly and the show is funny because we're all a bunch of fools running around. We don't know what's going on, but it is really funny, but I don't want people to ever think that I take lightly what I'm doing. I hold it with a lot of, a lot of respect for being open to the supernatural and the paranormal. And I think it's downright truly evil to manipulate people's belief and hope in something greater than themselves. So walking into this, I was like, listen, I can promise I can look really hot. I can be funny as shit. But if something doesn't happen when we're filming, it's just tough shit. So I just want everybody to know and when they watch it, nothing is staged. Nothing is fake. Because for me, filming the show 
it opened up a lot of like bigger questions for me, very existential questions. And I don't want people to think I would ever take advantage of that. So when you're watching the show, just know that that's my number one priority is to look really hot, be entertaining and funny as shit and deliver an honest experience. Beautifully said. Last question. Since Halloween is on the horizon, what does the Halloween season look like for you? Do you go to Universal? Do you go to haunted houses? Any movies that you watch? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to watch The Shining every year because it's just one of the greatest movies ever made. And I have a question. Do you guys like The Shining? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Does anybody know the bear? Like the scene with the bear? Yes. Does anybody remember the bear? Nobody remembers the bear. Shelly Duvall's like running up the stairs with a knife trembling right before the infamous like act scene in the bathroom. And he runs up the stairs and he looks over and there's a bear giving a blowjob to a man in a tuxedo. Yeah. So, <laughs> that being said, I need to watch The Shining, and I think I'm going to be the bear for Halloween. But no one's going to get it. Right. <laughs> everyone's just like thinking like a cute bear. In reality, I'm going to be like a psycho blowjob bear from The Shining. Psycho blowjob bear, I love it. Ah. <laughs> oh, what else? Great. Oh, I definitely. I love. I just went to Universal and did like some of the rides, and I. I'm thinking about doing like a pumpkin patch. I know that's so wholesome and not bloody and disgusting, but I love a fucking pumpkin patch. And I really like more than anything in the world. Halloween's like my number one favorite time. It's so much fucking fun. So I think I might try to turn my house into a haunted maze. I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure how much work that is, but I definitely want to be going to a haunted maze. I love all this shit. This is my favorite. Oh, it's the best. You're the ambassador of Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is really yeah. where I shine. Kesha, thank you so much for your beautiful energy and for enlightening and inspiring us and for choosing to share your talents with us along the way. It, it, it makes life better for us and so many people in ways that I'm sure you couldn't even possibly imagine. Oh, God, you're so sweet. And thank you so much for always being so supportive and talking about my show because I really like it's beyond a fun show to me it's really special it's been a really special experience so i really appreciate your support oh and we got it because we want a season two yes yes yeah me too me too (laughs) let's do it everyone (laughs) all right kesha thank you again so much we love you yes i we love you too that was the boo crew podcast episode 357 special thanks to our guest kesha follow her at i is who i is on instagram kesha rose on twitter at time of release, see her new show, Conjuring Kesha, on Discovery Plus and Travel Channel. Production tracks for this one provided by the good folks at Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.
Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.